just handed it to me. The following podcast is a Save Productions production. If anything should happen to me, you must go to court. You must say these words. Klaatu, Marada, Nikto. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Red Dwarf special, Sci-Fi Watcher. Episode number 120. Glad you guys could join us again this Thursday night for our Geek Fest on the Big Rouge one there. I'm Corey Shrett, and joining me as always, my friend, Mr. Brian Lee. Brian, how's it going? Hey, Corey. Good to be here once again. Yes, of course. This week we are talking about Series 4 of the BBC show Red Dwarf. And uh, I am so glad we are into this. Uh, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I'm enjoying going back through these. Oh, trust me, I'm enjoying it. I'm so glad you are. As I was like, hey, somebody else to another convert, which is great, you know. As I'm another victim. Yeah, it's funny. As I'm watching these episodes, it brings me back to the days. It shows my age. Going to when I was stationed in uh, uh, Holloman Air Force Base in Alamogordo, New Mexico, which you're very familiar with because your parents live there. (laughs) Um, On the weekends, I would drive to the biggest city there was, which was Las Cruces, which was like sixty miles away which was like an hour drive i'm familiar with it between there and there's nothing between the two you see the mountain you see the mountain range off in the distance and you're driving like it's not getting closer so i'd go there and of course go to the mall and uh suncoast videos in the mall and uh if there was a new red dwarf i'd pick it up and of course these were vhs tapes and each series came out hastings wasn't there it was there was a hastings in 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 uh, the town but they didn't have red dwarf they didn't have british stuff Oh, I used to work for you can order anything from Hastings. Order. Order? Yeah. I wanted it now. Oh. So yeah, you know, it's funny. Because I'd go like every other weekend or so, because there's nothing to do. So you drive over there and go to Suncoast. Hey, the new Red Dwarf's out. And of course you had to buy two VHS tapes for the one season. So that's like forty bucks. Because Wow. Yeah. So you six that was a lot back then. Yeah, forty bucks for it, you know. I mean nowadays like forty bucks, like yeah, well, no big deal. So it was like twenty bucks for each tape. You had to buy them separately. And I was like, like a kid in a candy shop. I'd go do my other things and then drive an hour home. And it's like, okay, I'll see you guys in three hours. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I converted lots of friends there. Like, hey, check the show out. Like, what is this? It's, it, it's, it's Red Dwarf. It's a British science fiction comedy. Like, so okay. did they all like it? Did they dig it? Every, I, I kid you not, everybody I show this to got sucked into it. Well, cool. I would go, when I, like I said, I'd make the trip. I'd buy new tapes. I'd be like, I'd watch them. I'm like, Go to my friend's place. Hey, man, I got new Red Dwarf. He's like, put it in. Let's go. <laughs> and we would just sit there and laugh and have a blast. But it's still, it still hasn't raised above a cult following, though. No, I don't think it ever will. You know, I think even in England, it's it's not huge either. It's It's got a cult following. It's not up there like with like Doctor Who or or Sherlock levels, you know. Well, before we get started, I was reading up here on, on Wikipedia about it. And did you know that they did not broadcast in the original order? Here? Yeah. It was saying something about because of the Gulf War, they started with a a, a love story to be to start off the season. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's the way we, we are watching them in the release order, not the production order. A lot of, a lot of, yeah. shows, do, a lot of shows do that, too, you know? Yeah. Um, well, it says as not originally intended. Maybe they, they changed their mind because of the war. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean – 
there's always things that go on. It's, you know, shows like this that don't have like a series long or season long story arc, you can rearrange them. If you, if you go look at a, almost any TV show out there and look at the production codes, if they don't have like a, a, a continuing arc, you can see that some of the stories are like ahead of others. You know, it, it's just, it might not be obvious. Yeah, to you're us, right. There's nothing continuing from one episode to the next, so I guess they could. Yeah. So, uh, okay, before we get going into that, you want to uh, help out these podcasts we do, head over to SciFiWatcher.com slash donate today. There's many ways to help out. Just, you know, telling your friends a wish list of what we need for the shows to make these shows sound better. Quicker turnaround time makes it so much easier for us to get these shows to you guys right away. And or you could just donate cash. There's a button over there. Click it and help us out over at SciFiWatcher.com slash donate. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, over on our Facebook page, Facebook page, our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash SciFiWatcher, people have been uh, joining in. And I uh, want to shout out to a couple of friends, our friends, Tim MacGyver. I don't know how he found us. I got to ask him how he found us. But he stumbled over our page, and he's a Red Dwarf fan. And uh, Tanya Wyman. She's really geeking out on Red Dwarf. She's been in it too, for years. She's only got the first four series on DVD. I told her Netflix has it, so I'm hoping she's going out there to watch them streaming on Netflix cool. to, to catch up with us. And I want to just shout out to Tim and Tanya out there before we start. Okay, so here we go. Red Dwarf Series 4, uh, same cast and crew as last series. Uh, titles of the episodes were Camille, DNA, Justice, White Hole, Dimension Jump, in Meltdown, and these aired, as Brian said, about the Gulf War, February 14th to March 21st, 1991. So the intro is the same. You got the the quick music, the clips of what you're going to see this series. You know, it uh, has the same feel to me as Series 3 did. Nothing nothing dramatically changed. Well, didn't they change uh, Rimmer's uh, H a little bit? or am I... No, you're not. I, I think okay. that's the thing is his H changes and his, his costume changes too. Yeah. They always make changes to his outfit. So I think you can kind of figure out which series you're in just by looking at Rimmer. Uh, this is one of those series that I probably quote the most from. I, I still... I, I'm More than the, Doctor Who. Not television shows, as in seasons of episodes. This series oh, gotcha, of episodes... Gotcha. I, I, no, I don't want to say season because like, it's not a season, it's a series, it's British. <laughs> these six episodes are probably out of all of Red Dwarf are the ones that I quote the most, I think. I mean, you start off with Camille. You know, I, I love the fact that they're trying to break Crichton's program. And let's just try to break Crichton's program, which makes the character more interesting instead of this, you know, by the book type of character. You can have more fun with him. I love it's the fact. me. It's me. As he tries to say, smeg head to Rimmer, and it's just hilarious. And <laughs> my favorite line, which I, I, I always use, you know, he's trying to. He keeps showing a banana and he wants Crichton to say it's an orange, but his programming is telling him not to lie. And then all of a sudden he cracks. He goes, it's a small off-duty Czechoslovakian traffic warden. <laughs> you know, He babbles <laughs> off a bunch of other lies and the cat comes in and he's like, hey, cat. Ch-. like, hey, cat, check this out. What is this? He's like, it's a banana. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, I, I, now, there yeah. was a line that I, I copied on there um, when I guess they were both in the shit. Rimmer and... Uh, they were, they're both in the ship and he goes, Rimmer says that he keeps trying to wave a banana in front of him and calling him a female aardvark. <laughs> yeah. Crane's uh, like, that's very good, sir. A female aardvark isn't even a fruit. <laughs> you know, it's just like, one of my lines that I love there, um, he's late for the, his, uh, taking Rimmer out and about in Starbug and he, he goes, spin my nipple nuts and send me to Alaska. 
<laughs> it's just left field stuff. I, you know, this is one of those laugh out loud episodes that I love. Yeah. Um, I from this series forward, I think we're going to see a lot more Starbug. You know, you can only do so much inside the ship. You know, they have to leave the ship, go to planets more often, stuff like that. It seems like we see less Red Dwarf and more Starbug in these shows. Don't you? Don't you think that? Yeah, I think they go off, they go off the ship a lot more on this episode or this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, it's interesting how they keep trying to bring people into the show, but they keep getting rid of them. You know, they you know Crichton finds this this female droid called Camille. Now, did you figure out right away what Camille was, or did you have any ideas? Uh, I mean, I guess that she was. You know, I didn't know that she was like this pleasure bot, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, pleasure. A I just pleasure knew that gulf. whoever saw her, cha- you know, it changed to that person. Yeah, she's a pleasure gelf, and gelf stands for genetically engineered life form. Oh, pleasure gelf. Sorry. Yeah, gelf. That's that's man made. That's not an alien. So that's another one of those things that everything's made from humans. There's no alien life forms here. But yeah, I thought but it was I was expecting her true form. <laughs> <laughs> you mean that green blob with the big big yeah. one either? Yeah, it was kind of interesting though. Um, I like Kat goes, she looks like something that fell out of the Sphinx's nose. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's cute that, you know, Crichton still likes her and she likes him. And they go, they go on G deck to a place called the parrot bar for dinner. And then they go dancing, which is kind of strange. You know, they mm-hmm. show like all these romantic scenes. They go watch Casablanca, which Crichton's seen, you know, many times over. Right. And you find out she's married. Bum, bum, bum. So Crichton, of course, lies to her and sends her off. And and did you see that that last line coming up, that scene coming up where he's saying goodbye to her? Did you see that one coming at all? I didn't. The whole Casablanca scene. I didn't. I, the first time I saw it, I didn't see it coming either. I mean, one of the most famous scenes in movie history. He sends her off. He's like, you know, if you, you, if you don't go now, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, but maybe, maybe not tomorrow, but sometime soon. Blah, blah, blah. You know, that exact scene. And then at the end, he goes, we'll always have parrots. And I'm like, oh, God, he said parrots. Talking about the bar they went to instead of Paris. It's just like, oh God. Oh, you guys wrote some horrible stuff. That's 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 a groan there. But yeah. Pretty good at the puns, those writers. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it's you know, it's Grant Naylor. It's the two guys who created the show that write all these episodes. So it's uh it's pretty hilarious. But yeah, it's nice to see Crichton breaking his programming a little bit so we can have some more fun with him instead of just a I'm gonna follow everything by the book. You know, in the end, he calls Lister. I was going to say Smeghead, though. No, he calls Lister Smeghead at the end, you remember? He can do it to Lister. Oh, okay. Sir, you're a complete and total Smeghead. <laughs> but he can't call Rimmer Smeghead. No, no, that's true, though, because it comes back later. It's like, he can't call Rimmer Smeghead. I don't know why he can't, but it's kind of weird. Yeah, so that's 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 a, a great way to start the series. You know, Even though it's a, a romantic episode, it's it's hilarious, I thought. I think it's better because I'm looking at the production order and uh, Justice, the third one, is was supposed to be the first one they made. Yeah, I, th- I think it, I think that would have been a little little weaker. Yeah, it's not it's not as good, I don't think. What did you think? I think my, my funniest laugh out loud moment in this is I love the fact that they're, the cat's talking to Lister and he's like, Lister's like, yeah, you know, whatever you go in there, whatever you see is going to be your perfect companion. And the cat's like, so I go in there, I'm going to see my perfect companion. And Lister's like, yeah, and he walks in, and the cat sees himself. Yeah, I didn't expect that. I love that. I was like on the floor laughing the first time I saw that. It's like, oh my God, really? <laughs> You're kidding me. 
he's like, oh, th- that, and that makes sense too. The cat is so vain, you know, he comes first over everyone else. It does make sense afterwards, yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's that episode. DNA was the next one here. Um, it's, it's unusual. These episodes, this episode started like right in the action. I mean, not a lot mm-hmm. of action, but, you know, they're tracking a UFO that's coming in and they're standing there trying to do a coordinates and all of a sudden the power goes out because the cat had to unplug the console to blow dry his hair. Mm-hmm. T- a typical cat form. I was like, oh, geez. Uh, this was an episode that was kind of interesting because this is the first time we actually get to see Robert Llewellyn outside of his Crichton costume. Yeah, that was kind of weird seeing that. I don't know if I liked it. I like him in his in his in his regular horror. I think the fa- I think because the fact that you're so used to him being in the costume, it's kind of weird. But he he uh, mimics you know what he would do if he was in the costume, that, so it's the same thing. But, that, but that's what I think made it kind of weird, though. Because it, he makes facial expressions like he's the robot. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem right. It, it was kind of weird, you know, because he's still a robot trying to, you know, even though he had a human skin, he was still behaving like a robot. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was kind of weird seeing him there. It, the thing that kind of, I mean, it was the funny part of the episode. It was for the writing. But I was like scratching my head. He was talking about, you know, putting the, he's trying to put the, the power plug into to the outlet. And it keeps pop, falling out, you know. And mm-hmm. he's talking about his penis. <laughs> he says, so, <laughs> you know, "Sir, I want to talk to you about something that's you know kind of sensitive information." He's like, "Go ahead, Crichton. We're two full-grown adults here. Whatever, say." I'm talking about my penis, <laughs> and of course, Listers just goes into smirk mode as he calls it. <laughs> and he takes, he shows him a Polaroid of it, and Listers' eyes is just like, he's like, he goes, "Is that normal?" And Listers like, "What? what? Taking taking a Polaroid of it and send, giving it to your mates?" <laughs> he's like. <laughs> is it supposed to look like that? I love these questions that look like the last chicken in the shop look. I mean, yeah. it, se- it seemed like a stretch, though, but I'm thinking, wouldn't Crichton know basic human anatomy? That's that's what I was thinking, too, watching that. I'm like, but you know that what's down there, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not a surprise. You must be, It must be in your programming. If you're, if you're here to service humans, you'd figure you would know basic body functions of, you know, these people. Exactly. Uh, I love the other one. The the he gives him another Polaroid picture that Lister flips around. Then gives him a second one, and then oh, he puts them together. Puts them together, and his eyes wind up. He's like, "What were you thinking of at the time?" And it's like, I mean, he's talking about he's looking at an appliance magazine. And he saw something in there, and then boom, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh my god, it's like, yeah, let's get all these sexual innuendos out, out of the way. I mean, it's hilarious, no, but it's, but it's like makes it funny. Yeah, but it's like, come on, Crichton, you should know this stuff does happen. <laughs> yeah, now, it was um, about this episode. Is this before or after RoboCop? This is the RoboCop. No, I know oh, what I'm the, saying. The movie? Yeah, this, this come out after. before or after RoboCop. Oh, this is way after. RoboCop was 87. This is 91. Okay, cuz I was like, okay, did they make up RoboCop or Yeah, I mean, because he, he basically looked like RoboCop in that in that scene when he mm-hmm. became that human pl- that man creature. Plus. Man plus. Yeah, man plus. Yeah. Did it work? <laughs> you know, he has a high pitched voice. He's so little. Um, I like the. Uh, it shows you how I want to say talented uh, Robert Llewellyn is because he's talking to his three spare heads, and, and the third one has droid rot. So he's got that weird accent, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I love the way he talks. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, okay, whatever you're saying, it's hilarious. <laughs> I, it, it's so funny. Um, he does voices pretty well. He's really talented with the voices, though. 
but it's funny though how it's you know it's exactly a year ago the polymorph showed up i love how they make a reference to that episode Listeners, how can the same smeg happen to the same guy twice? And the cat's like, last time it was hors d'oeuvres. This time it's lunch. <laughs> it's like with the big vindaloo beast. Them and their vindaloo. I want to know what the hell that is. <laughs> Some sort of curry. I don't know. I've got to look it up myself. You guys know out there know. Just let us shoot us an email or let us know on a social media. It must sites. be a British thing because I didn't know anything about it. Well, I, I, a vindaloo, I don't know if a vindaloo and a curry are the same thing. Yeah. I. I don't know if one goes on the other, if they're the same things, like one's a slain or what. But it's, it's you know, this big creature. I, lo- I love the fact that, you know, he Lister sp- bills a, spills a beer and he goes, ah, a lager, the only thing that can kill a vindaloo. So I guess there's some joke in there that I guess I guess if you drink a beer, it takes the taste away from the of vindaloo or whatever. Oh, it's it's a it's an Indian dish. It is a yeah. it's a curry dish. Oh, so it's a type That's of the name curry. of the dish itself. Yeah. OK. Because I know I know curry is an Indian dish. Okay, so it's a type of curry dish. It's interesting. Um, kind of disgusting when he kills the creature and it gets he gets vindaloo all over him. <laughs> he starts eating it. Yeah. I mean, even Ooh. though it's food, it's still disgusting. But it was interesting to see Robert Llewellyn outside of the Crichton outfit. It was kind of a strange thing. We've seen him before outside of Crichton. He was in that one little video clip in the last day where they were going to deactivate Crichton and bring in another droid to take his place. Oh, right. It was just a little thing, but he didn't act at all like Crichton. I think the fact he acted like Crichton kind of scared me a little bit because the expressions and the mannerisms and stuff. Oh, yeah. It looks way weird. Yeah. So the next one, which you said was the first one that was going to air, was, was Justice. Lister with those space mumps. I, I, <laughs> I, I like I the way that looked. It was interesting. The big head. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, there was nothing that told us how he got to that point, you know? I don't know. It's just because he just started with a big head at the beginning of the episode. Well, it w- it was several weeks or something like that. He makes a mention that no one's come to visit him for for several weeks or whatever. Yeah. So it just felt weird that I was like, was this a continuation of something I missed? You know? Or? Yeah. No, I think it's like something. You know, he got the mumps and then eventually just kept growing and growing and crying. Took care of him and everyone else was gone because you know that that we had the cryogenic chamber showed up. You know, and the uh, cat's preoccupied with that. And apparently there's a woman inside there. Oh, yeah, always got to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite lines, I, I've used this line for years. People love it. What cat says, I have a body that makes men wet. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, geez. And of course, you know, they say that this was a prison, like a prison planet, a penal colony. And there was two survivors. One was a prisoner and one was a guard. And she was the guard. And we don't know which one's in there. And of course, it's lead line. You can't look in. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. So they go to the penal. I like the idea that they actually go to this penal colony to open it up. And um, it's interesting how they have to go through this uh, mind probe. Oh, really? Would they? We don't. We don't know how far they went. But would you really like go to a penal colony to find out what's in the box? Isn't well, that what they're? Well, if you're in a penal colony, it's a safe place. If it was a prisoner, the prisoner would still be trapped there. I guess. Hmm. I don't know how. I mean, guys, I guess that's the way they want to be somewhere safe to open this up because it's because, you know, Lister started it and it's got 24 hours. So they better hurry up and do something. Yeah. But I, I what do you think of those uh, those escort boots, these boots that show up that you put your feet in and it takes you to where they want you to go? Um, it, it looked kind of hokey, but uh, I went with it. <laughs> yeah, they were a little hokey, but I like it looked like Frankenstein's hand me downs, as the cat said. Yeah. Yeah, but it was kind of an interesting idea. It's like, we want you over here, you know, 
we're going to do a mind probe on you to see if there's any evidence of criminal activity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love it. Lister's freaking out because he went scrumping, which apparently is a British term for stealing apples. But he, oh, he said, I went scrumping for cars. <laughs> oh, I never knew what that was. Well, okay. You know, because Lister goes, well, when I was younger, I went scrumping. And, and Crichton's like, oh, sir, you were a kid. Stealing apples is not a big deal. He's like, no, I went scrumping for cars. <laughs> One time I was at a hotel. <laughs> I was at a hotel. Oh, stealing towels at a hotel. That's not a big deal. I didn't stick the towels. I took the whole room. The, threw it out the window to my mates and stuff it's like okay so he's freaking out and i love it you know cat obviously you know he's innocent Crichton's innocent you find out lister's innocent but then rimmer's found guilty of second degree murder of 1168 counts for killing yeah that was a shocker which i love it's a good twist it's like okay um what did you think of this justice field where there's no jail cells there's no doors or anything like that where you can't commit a crime if you try to commit a crime the punishment happens to you. Like Lister tries to burn the bed sheets and he gets burned. I thought it was a cool concept. It's kind of an interesting way to, to program people to not committing crimes. Well, program, but program them by fear, basically. Mm-hmm. And if you're in there long enough, you figure you're not going to do the crimes anymore because you're so used to not being able to do it in the prison. But what doesn't make sense is the, the thing that was in that box should know that. Right? You would think so, but they also, the pod was still on Starbug, too. Mm-hmm. And when, when, uh, when they were running back, they ran back into the Justice Zone. He probably wasn't even thinking about being in the Justice Zone. He was just thinking about, I got to get it, this. It went, as soon as he walked in, it's like, you are in the Justice Zone. Yeah, I don't know. He probably wasn't thinking about it. He was just thinking about killing. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole point of the episode where he, you know, attacks Lister and goes back at him i think this is the first episode we actually get to see a uh, simulant which is basically like an evil mechanoid it's it's a robot of some sort that's just bad but that robot was from the penal colony right yeah that's why they went back to this penal colony because that's where the escape yeah. pod came from yeah I, I mean i thought it was a great idea you know he throws the knife it, it lands back in his chest uh, you know, no matter what he does, he tries to shoot Lister and he keeps hitting himself. It's 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 interesting. I mean, you figure you'd stop after like the first or second try. Yeah. And of course, the last scene I thought was the last scene of that whole fight is the cat comes up with the shovel. It's simulant <laughs> on the head and just starts laughing. And then he just collapses backwards. That I'm was like, pretty good. The, the, the last scene to me was felt out of place. Where they're they're going back to Starbucks and they're talking and Lister's talking and talking and talking, he falls in a hole and the cat's like good riddance or something like that and he shuts the the door on him. I didn't understand that scene. It felt out of place to me. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it wasn't like it led into any other episode. It just it's like that's kind of a down way to to end this. But yeah, another good episode. You know, I'm I'm not complaining. Uh, next one's White Hole. Uh, Crichton brings Talkie Toaster back online. I love this character. Single-minded, yeah, I mean, single-minded toaster that wants to give you, you know, toasted breaded items. You know, howdly doodly do. He's got a job to do, and he's ha- he's proud of it. Well, howdly doodly <laughs> do. I'm Talkie Talkie Toaster. You know, there's a scene. You know, they bring him up. He brings him online, and, and like Lister's like, I don't want a, I don't want pancakes. I don't want bagels. I don't want this. I don't want that. And then at the end, to- the toaster's like, Oh, so you're a waffle man. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> It's just so funny. I mean, I like the idea that, you know, Crichton's like, 
they're going to do an AI compression so they can restore the intelligence of Holly because she's got he's got her it's got a, a computer senility. That's why it acts so stupid, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, you restore the intelligence and shortens the lifespan. But of course, you know something goes wrong and Holly's intelligence IQ doubles, you know, over twelve thousand. You know, but of it course, only lasts a few minutes. Of <laughs> so she's got a floating head now. She's so powerful. She 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 doesn't actually have to be on the screen. And her little exchange with Taki Toaster is kind of funny too. I know he's like, so if if God, you know, something about if God is all powerful and all knowing, and the universe is infinite, it's like, um, would you like a biscuit? <laughs> it's like, it's like, shut up. <laughs> and I love the fact that you know she's like, oh, I, how, how long is your lifespan? Three hundred forty-one years. That's not too bad. I'm missing a decimal place. Three point four one years? No, that's minutes. <laughs> she's like, oh my god, I got to turn myself off. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. You know, she turns herself off. That means she turns off the whole ship too. You know, and I, I love the guys are stuck. You know, they have to get to the science room to figure out what the heck's going on. There's 53 doors between there and the science room. And Lister's like, well, they're interior doors. They're not that sturdy. So we need something, you know, that's about six foot long, fairly sturdy with a flat top. And, of course, they all look at Crichton. <laughs> and of course, they're knocking through the doors. And, of course, one of my lines that I've used for years again, they get it to the end. And they're like, Crichton, you okay, man? He's like, I'm fine. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> Pain so much. It's so hilarious. You know, of course, then, you know, they try to do the bicycle to do power and stuff like that. And it's kind of interesting. The The time dilation scene was kind of funny. You know, when Crichton Rimmer, one of them walks into the one weird area and he speaks really slow and the other one speaks really fast. Yeah, it was cool that they could do that back then. I mean, the scene was pretty good. It was pretty interesting. I like the way they did that. Uh, what would you think of the idea of a white hole? Instead of sucking time out of space, it does the opposite and spits it back in. Uh, I didn't quite get it, but I mean, it was funny. It's like, it's like an anti-black hole basically is what it was. Yeah. I love the scene where Crichton explains it and they keep repeating the scene over and over again. <laughs> and they, yes. go, they go to the cat and the cat's like, so what is it? And he explains it and it's like, so what is it? I'm only kidding. It's like, oh, geez. And they did like three times, didn't they? Something like that. And Lister at one point is like, somebody hit him. That's <laughs> like, I love the way they did that whole scene. It was just so hilarious. Oh yeah, because the time's jumping around and they're going in different order. You know, and this was the one that they had. Uh, Lister was like, "I'm I'm an expert at pool and blah blah blah." Mm-hmm. And Cat's like, "Yeah, every time I see him play, he never gets him stuck in the little holes." I love that. <laughs> and of course, they vote on it, and Rimmer's like, "No," and 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 Cat's like, "I agree with I agree with the goalpost head here, but your fashion sense, no, nah, I gotta go with I gotta go with this guy." So he goes with Lister, and of course, Crichton because. He's supposed to side with the living over the dead, so he has to go with Lister because of his programming. Go figure. Yeah. Lister, of course, makes this horrible shot, which he misses, but it's like a bank shot at the end somehow. And then, of course, I didn't the, get the whole point. I think it was funny, but it was a funny scene, but actual planets bouncing off each other was funny. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay. Of course, that erased a little too far fetched, though. A little bit. The, the special effects were a little. A little too fake, I think, too. I mean, it's still, it's, I know it's yeah. 1991, but the other special effects look really good, but somehow the planets bouncing around was like, eh. Yeah. I was like, mm, nah. Yeah, the, the playing the pool with planets, like, eh. All right. So here's one. This one really gives you a perspective on AJ Rimmer here Dimension Jump. This is the one where we actually get to see all the actors playing different characters. And th- this is my favorite, by the way. Mm hmm. The one, see, yeah. and remember, get to play, get to see the 
the antithesis of Rimmer. <laughs> AJ Rimmer, Space Adventure. What yeah. a guy. What a guy. <laughs> All right, explain something to me because I don't know what this means. He says uh, the, the, I guess, the ace Rimmer always says, smoke me a kippa. Skippa. What does that mean? Well, well, actually, it's smoke me a kippa. I'll be back for breakfast, which it, yeah. I don't know. It's just his saying, I guess. It's like, you know, you know make What's me. a kipper? Kipper's a fish. Oh, okay. Smoke me a kippa. I'll be back for breakfast. You know, that's his, that's his line. I love it. And I, I love the fact that we go to this parallel universe, this or parallel dimension, I guess we should say. And, you know, he sees, you know, a guy named, you know, Spanners, who's Lister. You see Lister, the cat, Holly. You know, you actually get to see Holly in, like, 3D and, uh, and uh, Crichton, you know, all playing different parts in this parallel universe, which is kind of interesting right. to see, see these actors playing different roles because we're so used to them being themselves. I would have liked to have seen more of that. I wish they maybe, I don't know if it happens in another episode or not, but to see that parallel universe again. Yeah, but I don't think he, it seems like the way it ends is like he can't go back to that universe. Once he uses that dimension drive they created, he's just going to go from universe to universe looking, trying to find other rimmers. I know. Because that's, that's why his ship headed towards the Red Dwarf. So I, I think it's a one-shot deal. I think once he's gone, you'll never see him again. Because he can't go back to his universe because... He is the rumor from his universe. Right. So it, it was still cool seeing the, you know, anti-rimmer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I lo- yeah, he's a 180, you know? Because yeah. before, the ep- before this happens, you, you get a flashback of Arnold when he's a kid, and his mother said she went to see the headmaster of the school, and they're going to find out whether he's going to be held back a year or not. Mm-hmm. You know, just weird scene that just out of nowhere, then all of a sudden it cuts to, the, you know, Ace Rimmer's. What a guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I, I I love the the whole thing with Crichton and and uh, Crichton and, and uh, Lister trying to sneak out to go fishing. You know, they got the hats on, the nets, the fishing poles, and stuff like that. And and Rimmer gets wakes up. He's like, "Where are you guys going? We're like, we're going to the cinema. We're gonna go see Jaws." And you can see them cringe yeah. when they say, it. "It's like, oh, really?" Did I hear them say that they were going to a planet that doesn't have fish? They're just going to stick their poles in the water? Yeah, some ocean planet they passed like three days earlier. They're going to go there just to just go relax and drink some beers. And, yeah. You know. Didn't remember say like, there's no fish there? Or? Yeah, they even knew that. And of course, I love yeah. it. The, the cat walks in. It's like, quiet lights on. I'm like, oh. And then at the, at the end of that scene, I love it. Oh, Holly's got a fishing hat on. Oh, who woke him up? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I thought it was hilarious. Oh, uh, yeah. So, of course, they get Ace comes out and his ship is attracted to their ship. So they, they smash, you know, Starbug, obviously. I always love Starbug because that's what they're on going yeah. to the social planet. What? I was just thinking, you know, on, in this series, there was a lot less of Holly than in past series. Am I right? Except I, for the one episode, you know, where she has her IQ. But I think so. I But I think they were smart, though, to make sure. I think it's because there's most of these episodes were Starbug based and she was pretty much on Starbug most of the time mm-hmm. when they were out doing stuff. So I think that's why we didn't get as much of her. Okay. Yeah. I, you're right though. I didn't really notice that. Uh, I love the cat. That cat's leg gets crushed and it's broken. He doesn't care. The only thing he cares about that, you know, he's like, he's in pain. He's like, the colors don't match. Right. Somebody please get me a tailor. Like, dang, green, green could work with this. You know, it's like really, you could die here, and that's all you care about. Um, I, I love a, 
you know, Ace shows up and it, it, it's so, de- so depressing. You know, this guy, this, this macho, you know, space captain or whatever he is, you know, adventurous, suave, sophisticated. Women love him. Men love him, apparently. Uh, <laughs> he, he runs into, you know, he sees rumors. You know, our rumor is like, oh, he's dead. He's a hologram. But he's like, do the calculations and do this. He's like, I don't, how do you do that? And you could just see the look on his face of disappointment. Like, really? You know, yeah. Th- I, I bump into this guy. It's like, ugh. I, it's just like, oh, that's got to hurt. First one I bump into is the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, my God. But it's it's nice, though. You know, the 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 chemistry between him and Lister, is, it's kind of weird. Seeing, like I said, the antithesis. We're so used to Lister and Rimmer being at each other's throats. This It's like their buddy is buddy here. It's kind of weird. Lister gets the yeah, nickname Skipper. Yeah, up to him, yeah. Gets the nickname Skipper. They go outside. They work on the ship together. <laughs> you know, Ace operates on the cat's leg, so he's going to be fine. Uh, yeah, he has a broken arm, though, broken arm the whole time. He even stitches it up himself. It's just like, what a guy! <laughs> what a guy! Yeah, I just got to keep saying it. Yeah, I guess but, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't like seeing that version of Rimmer the whole time. Yeah, could you imagine if, if he was, he's only in one episode? Yeah, I think if we saw him once in a while, it wouldn't be so bad. But you're right; if he was like constantly in the show, you'd be like, shut the heck up. Yeah. Uh, but you find out, you know, the one moment in, in the timeline that made Ace Rimmer instead of AJ Rimmer is he was held back a year when, when, when our Rimmer was advanced to the next grade. So being held back, he was the tallest kid in his class. He got picked on, which made him work harder, work stronger. Yeah. So can you yeah. say what his J really meant? Did it's Judas. It's Judas. Yeah. If you go but back, he says it's something else. It's like Jonathan, or he, yeah, they they said that in several episodes. That that's oh, uh, okay. But yeah, Judas. They actually mentioned Judas in the uh, Justice episode when Crichton's trying to defend him. Ah, uh, okay. Arnold Judas Rima, and it's like, oh God, you said my middle name. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, you're named after the apostle that that uh, betrayed Jesus. That's that's a oh, good, that's so wrong. Th- oh, you didn't know that? I, I forgot that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I I'm not a. Uh, on top of my biblical stories, but I do know Judas is the one that betrayed Jesus. So, Oh yeah. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. And of course, Ace has to leave our universe because he's so disgusted with our rumor that he's, he's got to see that if there's a worst one out there. And of course, according to the scrolling credits at the end, our rumor is the worst one Ace ever runs into. So Makes far. sense. It kind of does. And then of course, yeah. And this is the one, you know, the music is traditionally the same fast beat music. This one actually has the Hammond organ recital music. Yeah, they play. Ah, right. And it's like, oh, that's kind of different. I, I kind of like that. You know, don't do it every episode, but I kind of like that. But it's not, I love to see, it was nice to really get to see. Uh, oh, and we also saw Rimmer as a light bee. That's right. This no, is, that's the next, sorry, that's the next episode. Yes. You, sp- spoilers. Yeah, you're right. I thought sorry it was about that. But yeah, okay. So yeah, the next episode is uh, Meltdown. And you're right. Th- let's just go right into that. We actually get to see how this hologram is made. There's a little metal device called a light bee that flies around really fast inside to generate this hologram. You know, it's so it's like, oh, okay. So they explain a little technology because it's hard to believe it's been almost four full series now. And they actually explain that. This is the first time I think they mentioned anything about the hologram except it's generated by Holly. Yeah. So there is a physical device. Yeah. So we didn't know that until now. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so, so I guess that's uh, 
because obviously that plays a part in the end of the story here. But yeah, it's interesting to see yeah. how that happens. I and love the, the matter paddle. The the. That's what they called it. Oh, the matter paddle. It. Yeah, they found it in in one of the the like the test chambers or something like that. It's like a. It almost looked it, to me. It looked almost like a like a like a Simon game or something like that from the eighties. Like some sort of like electronic game. Right. Yeah, it does look like that. That's what I kind of liked it. Yeah. So. I thought that it was an interesting idea that, you know, it would find like planets, like habitable planets and would like 50,000 light years away or something like that. 500,000 light or 500, years away. I'm thinking to myself, how far away from Earth are you if you're more than 500,000 light years away? Pretty freaking far. That's, I know. That's pretty. I mean, they're way the heck out there. But I was thinking to myself, I was like, couldn't they just keep using this and hopping closer and closer to Earth, you know, every 500,000 light years and just try to get closer and closer? I know, right? I mean, couldn't they just go to Earth and just, you know, forget about it? Forget about the uh, Red Dwarf? Yeah, I mean, couldn't they be back to Earth in a matter of minutes or hours or something? Instead of, you know, I guess it's random, though. Maybe because it's random. But they could send it back to Red Dwarf, though. So I wonder if it's random going forward, but you can, like, send it back to the last place you are at. Yeah. That's probably the only thing. Um, what did you think of this? I mean, the whole idea that, you know... This is there's, there's there's a war going on on this planet. Well, I was tricked at first because I didn't. Uh, I was like, "What did they get back to Earth?" And they went in the past. I thought we were watching. I wholly believe that. I thought we were watching yeah. a Godzilla film at first. It kind of felt like I. Think oh, yeah. It, I don't know. It, it, that was the one thing that kind of irked me about this, though, is the fact that they got this film, and you could tell it was a film, kind of a scratchy looking film. It was like you know. Crichton and Rimmer are standing there like, look over there. And all of a sudden it cuts to this piece of film and you're like, it's... That really shows their budget. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, it's like we can't spend any more money. Let's let's go find this film. I, I swear, it had like, to be some sort of Godzilla film. What, what, what always, I put this down in my, in my notes. Why is Rimmer scared? They can't hurt him. I think it's because he's always been scared. Okay. Because he's running away from it. I'm like, well, what are they going to do to you? Well... Well, now that we know he has a light bee inside him, maybe they could crush the light bee. Ah, maybe. You know, if you think about it, I mean, because you can still put your hand through him. So I'm assuming you could put your hand through him and, and grab the light bee. Or if, like, some big foot came down and crushed the light bee, he would, he would be dead, essentially. Mm. Gotcha. But, yeah, you're right, though. I mean, they could just recreate him back in the ship with another light bee unless there's the only one light bee there. Um, I love the scene... With Lister and Cat ending up in Hitler's war planning room. Yeah. You know, they're in the corner, then they pop up and they're like, ha, and they're on the table and they're being looked at. And then all of a sudden there's somewhere else that's dark, narrow. There's a light way up in the top. And then it cuts away and you see that you see their feet because they're inside a chimney. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. I love I love that. Uh one of the things I love about um comedies are the scenes where you don't actually see the humor, but they're they're describing it to you, and you're just imagining it yourself. I'm talking about the scene where, uh, oh, like, they're like Winnie the Pooh's being yeah, where they're looking at, and all this yeah, you know, where Lister's looking at all this, and he's describing the firing squad and Winnie the Pooh not take not taking the blindfold, and then he gets shot. Yeah, he's like, no one should ever have to see that, <laughs> you know. It's just like, I love it because you're imagining this instead of seeing, you'd be like, oh, that's not that funny. You know, well, the whole time I'm like, where are they? They're, they can't be in the past if he's talking about Winnie the Pooh. 
Yeah, so it's like we and I, I love the fact that they explain it's a wax droid theme park. So these are droids made out of wax. You know, because they you know, Crichton and Lister Crichton and Rimmer landed in prehistoric world, there's hero world on one side and like villain world on the other. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why you got like It would have been cool if they had the budget to like flush it out where you could see like the attractions. Yeah, that's the thing though. It was kind of like you didn't see any rides or any like signs, you know. No, they didn't have the budget for it. Yeah, it was kind of weird though. Of course, Rimmer always you know, the story starts off with Rimmer explaining how he like was playing a game of risk. And he's talking about how he rolled the dice and stuff. It's like Kittle. Yeah, like, I'd be bored too. <laughs> I know. I wrote it down in my risk campaign book. <laughs> it's like it's like really what? It was like, how do you so remember all these rolls? This is his chance to play out his risk game, right? Which it is, yeah. He he gets to be the general, and and I love that. You know, he's got the hero. So of course, all the real heroes are dead. Like John Wayne is gone, and I'm trying to think of who else there were. The like the fighters in the group, they they were killed years ago. So I love how he has all these quote unquote soldiers in front of him, and there's like Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Santa Claus. <laughs> you know, it's like okay. Elvis. Elvis, yeah. Elvis is of course the sergeant. And it's just, it's hilarious, you know, and then Lister and Cat, you know, they're, they're trapped in the cell and Lincoln gets captured too. And there's Caligula in charge and Hitler and, uh, Rasputin there. <laughs> and I love how Rimmer, Rimmer says, we're going to attack tomorrow at the cover of daylight. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay. He'd be the worst general ever. He, he would, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? Bring dice with you and try to roll the dice to see if you win. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty bad. Um, yeah, so uh, it's uh, I I love the fighting scene where the they're running and it almost felt like a Monty Python skin. I don't know if you even thought of this. They're running and there's like an explosion, and then all of a sudden, see all you see are shoes and there's nobody there. Yeah, they get shots gone. And the Queen Victoria. Oh, they're wax. <laughs> yeah, I, of course. But Queen, it was kind of strange. I'm like, how the heck did Queen Victoria sneak in the back way? You know, it's like, it's like it's. It, um, I guess they they, they create diversion. I don't know. Mm. But I mean, it's like okay. So what do they do? They turn up the heat in the boiler room, and everybody melts. That part I didn't understand. When that when they did that, I'm like, how are they melting? I I don't understand. I I know. It's like I'm like I thought you guys were outside. It's like how are you turning the temperature? It's one of those things that, that they they put in there and didn't really think about. You know. Yeah how it worked it's just like oh yeah wax melts Mm -hmm. yep so rimmer won but he also lost too because his whole uh, army was gone yeah so it's kind of stranger yeah and this is why explains what happens to him (laughs) yeah and that's why i think they they brought the light beam and use that explanation because you know lister takes the light beam and swallows it (laughs) you know (laughs) it'll be okay it'll come out in a couple of days Oh. That's so wrong, though. That is like the worst punishment. I, that, it, that's got to be. It's like, oh. and of course, then this, like, we had the Hammond organ music. We had Elvis sing the outro in this one. Yeah, which I thought was was very appropriate. I think it was a fitting ending episode. I think. Yeah, it was a good way to end it. Um, it felt series four felt very similar to series three. the The sets were the same. The cast was the same. the The writing, I think, the writing got up was a little bit better. More, I think it's just like a like a like a good wine. You let it sit for a little bit and stew, and yeah, I think it finally hit its stride here. Right. You know, it's like all right, we're we're running on all cylinders right now. I mean, it's got some hilarious moments. Some 
the writing is so ingenious. I, I've, I've been saying this the whole time. I mean, the whole the whole idea of the well, dimension. I think it's them that they're writing to the characters too. The mm-hmm. characters are so unique. Mm-hmm. You know, each one is is unique in its own in how they're acted. You know, mm-hmm. and they just play to each each actor and character strengths and and it's pretty and, genius. And and yet they still have no aliens. You know, really? Still, we haven't seen an alien yet. I told I told you that from series one. I said that they wrote this show, where in this universe there are no aliens. Everything is man made. Sticking to it, huh? Everything is man made. The Gelfs are genetically engineered life forms made by humans. Uh, the mechanoids, the simulants. Are they saying there are no aliens? Is that what they're trying to get at? That's what they're saying. There are no aliens in the universe. It's all, everything is made by humans. We we put all that stuff out there on all these planets. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So we have the wax droid world. That's that's our stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pleasure gelf. That's ours. Yeah. So there's nothing. Nothing. No. No aliens. No. Nothing with green bug eye things. You know, the Camille was a pleasure gelf. That's man-made uh-huh so yeah it's kind of strange it's because I, I think it makes it harder to write if you don't go hey well we got these green-eyed aliens with five arms coming from another world we can write about that you know they kind of limit themselves but it makes the mm-hmm. story but to make but it makes the story so much better too because i think, think you're right i really think so i think i think that would be kind of an easy oh, i got an alien all right so, I mean, do you think this is the best series yet? Or you think they hit their stride? What do, what do you think about this? Um, not seeing the other future ones. I think it's it's at they're at their pinnacle or they're at the top right now. Yeah. I, I think so. I think I think three is pretty high. I think four is a little bit higher. Uh we'll see how series five goes. Maybe it'll go down, maybe it'll go up, I don't know. But it, I feel like I don't feel like you can get much better than this. You know, mm-hmm. loving the characters. We we understand all the weird things they do. I love the fact that we got Starbug. We're more out and about. We're visiting planets. We're visiting other, you know, other things here and there. I'm kind of getting a, a spoilery here looking at Don't, don't, is, don't do that. No, I'm just don't. looking at Series 5 and seeing that they had problems because it's a new director. Okay, well, I will tell you this much. Do not look at anything after Series 5 ahead of time. I'm not, I'm not. If you do, <laughs> you will be disappointed with yourself, and I will be disappointed with you. Don't, no, no, yeah, try not I to. I won't do that to myself. Because there will be things you'll be like, what the heck? You know, you want to you you figure it out yourselves. So, so that's our thoughts on Series 4 of Red Dwarf. Uh, make sure, if you haven't subscribed, go subscribe. Because next Thursday, of course, Red Dwarf Series 5 we'll talk about, which I can't wait to do again. And our regular full-blown Sunday episode, we will be doing the movie Spaceballs. A little something different for the holidays. You know, usually mm-hmm. we, we do the serious stuff, but we're gonna do we're gonna go way off the kilter here and do space balls this week. So, can't wait to talk about that. Of course, I want to thank my friend Mr. Brian Lee for being here. Brian, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Brian Says. And of course, I said you can always find us online. We are at SciFiWatcher.com. You want to join us for our live shows? They're Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at SciFiWatcher.com/live. Come listen in, jump in the chat room, join the conversation. If you can't join us, you can always contact us various ways, like through email, feedback at sayitproductions.com, or voicemail at 813-915-6390, facebook.com slash sci-fi watcher, google.com slash plus sci-fi watcher, twitter.com at sci-fi watcher. Well, I want to thank everyone out there for downloading this special episode of the podcast. Until next time, have a good one. <laughs>